Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we learned that Jesus was on his way to uh, Jerusalem, and he went through Jericho for a divine appointment with Zacchaeus. We left off last week with the statement in Luke chapter 19. Go ahead and look at it in verse 10. We left off with the Son of Man, for the Son of Man came to... Matter of fact, can you read verse 10 with me? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I think those are two great words that that go together really nicely. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Not is lost, but was lost. I like that, how they go together really nicely. Well, tonight we come to, we continue in chapter 19. I'm moving pretty quickly because we have a lot to cover. In chapter 19, I've actually titled this sermon, if you're taking notes, Do business until he comes. Do business until he comes. Luke chapter 19, we pick up in verse 11. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman, are you looking at verse 12? A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And so he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, or pounds, ten pounds, and said to them, do business until I come. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. I'm sure that the religious leaders heard Jesus say, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, remember Zacchaeus, the hated tax collector, was a son of Abraham. We talked about that last week. He's the son of Abraham by faith. And I'm sure that the religious leaders heard Jesus say that. They heard Jesus say that he had come to seek and to save the lost. And they are troubled. And they're thinking soon, As soon as he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to set up his kingdom. And so Jesus tells them a parable. Now listen, this is a parable based on, and this is, I want to say, probably the only parable of its type. This parable is based on an historical event. Let me tell you about the historical event. It was 4 B.C., 4 B.C., When Herod the Great died, and he entrusted his kingdom to his three sons, Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, and Herod 
archelaos. But you couldn't just divide Rome, Roman territory because you wanted to. It had to be approved by Rome. So Herod Archelaus went to Rome to appeal to Caesar Augustus to have the kingdom divided. And he went into a far country seeking the kingdom. Now, 50 Jews, listen, 50 Jews went to Rome to protest, giving Archelaus the land, and they said, we will not have this man rule over us. So Caesar gave him the land anyway, and he became the governor of it. So as Jesus is telling this parable, this is fresh in their memory. Now, just stay with me for a moment. Get, let me give you really, really quickly, uh, give it to you early As we read the parable, it'll make more sense if I give you the symbolism in the parable early. If you're taking notes, we're talking about symbolism. The nobleman or the certain nobleman symbolizes Jesus. The far country to which the nobleman went symbolized heaven. The servants symbolizes Christians. And we'll read a little bit more and you'll see these uh, as we get to it. Uh, His citizens symbolizes unbelievers, and the minas, or the pound, represents the equal opportunity that God gives to every Christian. Let me read that to you again to make sure you got it. The certain nobleman symbolizes Jesus. The far country to which the nobleman went symbolized heaven. The servants symbolized Christians. His citizens symbolized unbelievers. The minas, or the pound, represents, minas pound, same word, represents the equal opportunity that God gives to every Christian. You got it? Now look at verse 12. In verse 12, notice Jesus picks up on something very familiar to them, and he says, a certain nobleman went into a far country. Are y'all staying with me? A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. And he returned, and he called ten servants, and he gave each of them ten minas, or ten pounds. And he told them to do business till I come. Some of your Bibles probably say, occupy until he comes. This phrase, do business, is a trading word. It's a word that you would use in the marketplace. While the master was away receiving his kingdom, the servants were expected to do business or to use the resources that he gave. Listen to me. Jesus is away right now. Do you know that? He's not here on the earth right now. And before Jesus, or let's say when Jesus ascended, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on the church, on all believers, and has given gifts to us. And we now have these gifts, and listen to me close, God expects us to do business until he comes. Can anybody then more than two people say amen. God expects us to do business with the gifts that he's given us. Every single believer, listen, you're going to love this. When you become a Christian, God gives you a gift. Don't you love that? Two of y'all loved it. (laughs) I love it. That's three. 
the Bible is very, very clear that every Christian, every born-again believer, every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the moment that they give their life to Jesus, God gives you a gift. Let me read you some scriptures. 1 Corinthians, you jot these down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to whose saints? Each one. Can y'all read? Whose saints? Each one individually as he wills. To some God has given the gift of wisdom, some the word of knowledge, some the gift of healing, some the working of miracles, some prophecy, some discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And then we go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, in these three chapters, you find all the gifts that God has given to the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4, and he himself gave some to be what? Apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers like myself. And then in Romans chapter 12, it talks about, and you can just jot that down, it talks about the gift of exhortation and the gift of ministry, teaching and leading and showing mercy. Your gift, listen, God has given us these gifts, and he hasn't given them to you for your personal pleasure. He has not given them to you so you can show everybody how spiritual you are. Let the church say amen. (laughs) Y'all said it just like I said it, amen. Just trailed right off. He hasn't given them to you for your personal edification. He's given the gifts to you so that you can be a blessing and a benefit to the body of Christ. And he's given these gifts to the body of Christ that we might use them to make the body of Christ complete and to make the body of Christ whole. And oftentimes what I see, especially as a pastor from where I sit, I see oftentimes people in the body of Christ, they want somebody else's gift. So you see this person has a gift of teaching, and you go, I want, I want the gift of teaching. And so you try to teach. I've seen it. You ever see somebody with the, they think they have the gift of teaching? Anybody? They think they got the gift of teaching. God knows they're killing people. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know I'm going to keep it real. And, and, and honestly, I mean, honestly, I, I can't, you know what, look, I'm a preacher and I know, you know what, if I was, if, I, I can't stand no born preacher. I'm sorry, hallelujah. I can't stand it. Uh, you know what, look, if you're going to preach the word, then preach the word with some power and with some conviction. If you go, you know what, it was Spurgeon, the prince of preachers who said, put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. Amen. If you don't have the gift of teaching, don't look at somebody else's gift and want their gift. And this person's got the gift of mercy, and that person's got the gift of, uh, of giving, and this person's got the gift of prophecy, and this person's got the gift of ministries, and you want somebody else's gift. The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts to the church as he wills. It is God who determines. You don't even determine what spiritual gift you get. And by the way, side note, you can't take a spiritual gift test to determine what spiritual gift you have. Thank you. There, I said it. Y'all seen that spiritual gift test? 
What, what in the world? What kind of nonsense is that? Is it, look, if you've taken that test, please stand to your feet. <laughs> Ain't nobody saying, oh, y'all, oh, you have. <gasps> oh, my Lord. I'm almost, almost afraid to ask you what you discovered. Probably discovered it didn't work. Because you know what? Because the Holy Spirit gives you the gift. And as you serve the Lord, God will show you what that gift is. And that gift, you'll love doing it. And that's how you'll know what your gift. And it'll be fruitful. That's how you know your gift. You know, because it's fruitful. As I've learned about the spiritual gifts in the Bible, I've come to understand that when I got saved, God gave me the gift of teaching. I, um, I honestly, and I, and I say this just to, just to make this point, that, that I have never really had a small Bible study. Never. As soon as I started a Bible study, I started with one guy, and before you know it, 30 people were sitting there. Before you know it, 60 people were sitting there. Before you know it, 100 people were sitting there. Then we're going to, and this was when I was in the military doing it at lunchtime. We had two lunchtime services for Bible study, we had so many people, we, we couldn't have it all at one time because it wasn't enough parking. It was causing a traffic jam. I was in the military in an E3 in, in the Navy. And the base chaplain, you heard me tell this story. The base chaplain called me in his office and said, Finch, what are you doing over there? All the cars are showing up, people coming to the Bible study. I was at E nothing. And he was an O-1000. <laughs> And he said, Finch, what are you doing? You know, all those people come into Bible study. I said, sir, well, I'm teaching the Bible, and oh, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, well, why not, sir? It's doing our lunch, and you know, I'm getting people back to work on time. There's no problem. So, well, that's the job that's for the chaplains, so you have to stop your Bible study. I said, sir, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I said, it, you know, I, I, I just can't do that. I mean, I, we're doing it on our lunch break. We're free to do what we want to do on our lunch break, and and, uh, oh, well, whatever, whatever. So we walk out of there, and they know they couldn't stop me from doing it. So what they wind up doing is asking me to, because we were meeting in the grassy area on the outside, so that what they wind up doing is, is asking me if I would take the Bible study to an inside building that wasn't being used in, in our area. So they gave me the keys of this building, and they said, well, you can move your Bible study to there. And I thought, oh, okay, that's a great deal, actually, because at one point, if it rained, we couldn't meet. But now we can meet all the time. So when they gave me the keys, I said, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, so, so I realized then that my gift, and now I know my gift is teaching. But for me to desire to be Billy Graham, or for me to desire to, be, um, to, to, to have a spiritual gift that somebody else has, would be wrong. We shouldn't desire one another's gift. God gives you the gift at the time that you are saved, and that is the gift that he gives you, and you are responsible to cultivate that gift. And don't get mad at other people when you see other people using their gift, and it's not like the way like you have a gift. Because people, Church folks irritate each other. <laughs> don't shout me down with amens now. But, you know, so you see this guy, you know, he's got this gift and you've got that gift and he's doing this and you're going, well, I, you know, for example, I mean, think about it like this. For example, if I was preaching and my throat got dry, as it is right now, and my throat got dry and I needed a glass of water. Don't go get me one now. I've got one down there. And I needed a glass of water. And so someone realizes Pastor Roddy needs some water. And so they think, you know, he doesn't want a bottle of water. He doesn't want a styrofoam cup. He wants a ceramic cup, like the one I have right here. 
He wants a ceramic cup. And so that person runs out and goes and gets a cup, a ceramic cup of water. And while coming down the aisle, they trip and they fall and they break the cup and water goes everywhere and pieces go everywhere. Well, the person with the gift of helps, they've got this gift of helps, they would run across the room grab a broom and a towel, and they would start dabbing up the water and sweeping up the fragments. And then, and then, and then, and then, and and, and that person who has a gift of helps, you know, they, they, they don't have the gift of teaching. That person's not going to come over there with, you know, some, and lecture that individual about, you know, give them a theological treatise on cup handling. No, he's not going to do that. Well, then the person with the gift of mercy, well, he'll come over and he'll say, oh, that's unfortunate, sweetie. Are you okay? Well, there's a little boo-boo on your elbow. Let me me kiss your little boo-boo. They got the gift of mercy. Well, then the person who has the gift of teaching, well, they would say, well, listen, the Greek word for cup is kapizo, and it literally means always carry the cup with two hands because they've got the gift of teaching. And then you get the person with the gift of exhortation. They would say, oh, well, don't worry about it. Just go get another cup. I know you can do this. You can do it. Go try it again. Run out there, get another ceramic cup. Run back in here. Come down the aisle quickly. I know you can do it. They've got the gift of exhortation. And the person who has, you know, a gift of counseling, and they love to counsel, they would say, now, how do you feel about yourself? Did your father drop you when you were a child? Does this bring back memories of failure and defeat? How are you internalizing all of this? Because they, 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 they kill And the person with the gift of healing, they would say, cup be put back together in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they might say, are you okay? Can I pray for you? Listen, the point is all of these things are necessary. All the gifts in the body of Christ work together. And don't get angry when you see somebody exercising their gift and you're exercising your gift. God has given many gifts to the body to make one whole body. You know, some people come and they'll tell me, well, Pastor Rodney, I feel like the Lord is telling me to go to another church. And I'll tell them, that's great. Oh, well, it's a church down here and they're a smaller church. And, you know, I just think I can be a blessing. That's great. It could be the Lord leading you from here to there to make that body down there complete because the gift you have here may not be being exercised here, but they need that gift down there. You see, we need all of the gifts to make one whole body. Can the church say amen? We need all the gifts. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's okay. To make one whole body. And we should be doing business with the gifts God has given us. Now listen, don't confuse this parable with the parable in Matthew 25. Because in Matthew 25 is the parable of the talents. Don't turn there now. Just look there in your own time. But in Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents. And one man in Matthew 25 is given 10, another is given 5, and another is given 1. Matthew 25 is a parable about faithfulness. This parable, if you're taking notes, you write this down. This parable is a parable about equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. Did you know that Jesus was an equal opportunity employer? Did you know that? Jesus has given equal opportunity to every man. Notice in this parable... Every man got 10 pounds. God entrusted to each of us a gift, 
and we are to be faithful with what he has given. Now, I sat quietly this morning, and I was thinking of some of the things that God has entrusted to us and that he expects us to do business with and what, and what he's entrusted to us equally. Well, look, I came up with four just sitting down thinking you can probably think of more. But let me give you the four I thought of. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, equally, what has God given to every single person in this room? What has he entrusted to every single person in this room? Well, number one, he's tr- entrusted to us the gospel. Think about it. God has given every man the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. We're to do business and multiply the gospel message. And we're to multiply that message until the whole world hear it, hears it or, before, or until he comes. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I think you know that one. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to, for salvation for everyone who believes. Listen, nobody can say, I can't share the gospel because I have a harder message. We've all been given the same powerful message that is able to transform our lives. Amen, saints? Well, not only has he entrusted to us the gospel, but he's also entrusted to us, think about this, time. Time. Think about it. God has given every man 24 hours in a day. Not 23, not 28, but 24. We can never say, oh, that person gets so much more done because they have 28 hours in their day. You can't say that. If I had 28 hours, I could do that too. You can't say that. We've all been given the same amount of time, so no one has excuses. Benjamin Franklin said, the difference between a man of success and a man who fails is five words. The man who fails says, I didn't make the time. Notice I didn't, ha- Notice not, I didn't make the time. He didn't say, I didn't have the time. He said, I didn't make the time. I think that's very true. When a person's dying on their deathbed, listen, I've never heard them say, I wish I had spent more time in the office. I never heard people say, I wish I spent more time on the golf course. Or I wish I spent more time with my homies. Or I wish I spent more time on the road with my band. I never heard any of that. But I have heard people say, I wish I spent more time with my family. The kids grow up so quick. They go from, I was just telling my daughter-in-law tonight from holding my grandbaby. In two months, she'll be one year, one years old. She's so cute. She's going to be a year old. And I told her, I said, yes, yeah, she'll be a year old in two months. I said, and she'll be five before you know it. And then she'll be 10 before you know it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then she'll be 10 before you know it. And then 15 before you know it. And then 18 and 20 before you know it. And then they'll be staying in your house when you're ready for them to leave. <laughs> before you know it. I want you to clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? And you give them luggage for a gift. Hallelujah. Give them luggage for a gift, and they still don't get it. It's like I gave you luggage for a gift. Why? Why'd you give Oh, you want me to travel with you? No, I want you to get out. They still don't get it. It's like phone a friend. Use a lifeline. Phone a friend. Do something. But they grow up so quick. God has given every man 
time. What else has God given us and trusted to us? God has given every man, listen, the ability to give financially to the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves, anybody know this? A cheerful giver. The word cheerful means hilarious. God has entrusted to us a certain amount of finances. Some have more and some have less. But whatever we have, God expects us to do business until he comes. And then finally, I'm sure you could think of more, but God has given every man, listen at this one, you'll love it, their testimony. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.